Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Overtime looming in Montreal. Avalanche and Canadians 3-3 with about 5.40 left in the third. Late second period, Flyers and Blues in a 1-1 tie. The Oilers play the Leafs tomorrow and then Seattle on Thursday, both at Rogers Place. Both 5.30 face-off shows with the games at 7 here on 6.30. Chet, the Kraken lost today 3-0 to the Penguins. The Kings beat the Hurricanes 5-2. Vegas getting by Nashville 4-1. Minnesota Storms past the Islanders 5-0. Ducks edge the Panthers 5-4 in overtime. Kalorn got the game winner. Bruins over the Devils 3-0. Sabres over the Sharks 3-0. And the Canucks fall in a shootout 4-3 to the Blue Jackets. Football. Two-minute warning in the first half. Buccaneers 16, Eagles 9. Earlier, Bills 31, Steelers 17. And that Elks trade, if you missed it, Ceresna to the Argos for receiver Curly Gittens Jr. He joins us every week on Inside Sports, presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinelstorage.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm really well, Reed. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. It's been horrifically cold in Edmonton. And for an Edmontonian to say that, it must be cold because we're used to cold. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, as you know, uh, I grew up in Edmonton. So when, whenever I think of these uh, cold days, I always go back, revert back to my childhood uh, in Elmwood. And the rink, I think it would be closed at minus 20. And so I'd be, uh, like everybody, locked up in the house. And I desperately wanted to sneak over to the rink. But the uh, the fence was locked and couldn't get in, but the best of memories for sure. Yeah, well, that was the only way to keep the kids out, right? You actually got to yes. lock it up. Because if they were they just did. like, hey, kids, just don't go on the ice. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, for years, they didn't have a fence around the rinks uh, in Edmonton or in Elmwood. They had two regular regulation-sized rinks, and then they had a third rink that was uh, quite large, but it was only for public skating. And so uh, you, there's no way that they could keep you out. It's just that it was so darn cold that you couldn't spend much time out there uh, in my early days. Some people around that time would remember that, and I can't remember when they put up the fences, but... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, he had to try and be a bad kid and maybe climb the fence, but it was too tall to do that. So I had to be older for that. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to haul your skates or get someone to right? hold on to your skates. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they made it not worth your while for sure. Yes, okay. exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, the discussion around the Edmonton Oilers has changed drastically, of course, from where we were a yep. few weeks ago. 18-3 and three in their last 21 games. They have won 10 in a row, which is a franchise record. I'll throw this one at you, Kelly. What impresses you most about this win streak? They uh, focus on defensive play and how everybody's uh, involved in that. And in that 10-game winning streak, they've only allowed 16 goals, so that's spectacular. And then when you have the... Uh, the firepower that they do. So uh, everything that you look at that team, I mean, and they're winning some games that are hard wins, right? You even look at uh, the Montreal win in overtime and how they had to get that third period goal. And uh, I just feel as though they have way more composure. Uh, and I know it was Saturday, so you didn't get to see our pregame, but we had Leon Dreisaitl on and he was, I asked him about, 
that question or answer he gave Mark Spector last week uh, at Sportsnet.ca about um, managing. You know, he he wants to win so badly that that he understands that that can be a good thing, but a bad thing. And he also spoke his, uh, about his body language. So I asked him that. And he said that was part of his, uh, he's trying to be a better leader and recognizes that sometimes his poor body language rubs off on other people and he's trying to eliminate that. So uh, th- the reason I bring that up is because, you know, that could have been a game in which they're getting a little bit frustrated. Montembeau was amazing and yet uh, they stuck with it and then they winded, end up winning in overtime. That just speaks about uh, how far they've come in uh, such little time. Well, and and that's a great point about the defense and the goals against. Because then, if you're up against yeah. a hot goalie, you don't need three or four or whatever just to try to get the game into overtime. You might only need one or that's two, right. and then that's and that's what I like. Because I still think the Chicago game that they did not play well, and right. maybe if it's not Chicago or San Jose or somewhere like that, the winning streak ends that night. But sure. I think. Yep. You know, we, people have brought up, well, they needed overtime. And I'm like, well, look, overtime is another way to win. And you, you got to remember, like Detroit and Montreal, some of those teams that are, are middling teams or even poor teams, a, a good game against the Oilers could be one of your biggest games of the season. So you got to give those teams credit for uh, the resilience they played with oh, against absolutely. it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I I think we've been saying this, uh, we've been doing this uh, chat for years now, Reed, and every single year it gets harder and harder to win. So I, I rarely ever nitpick when you win a game. I mean, you can always say, well, you know, it took it to overtime and you shouldn't have gone that far. I just say, if you're not at your absolute best in today's NHL, you don't win. Whereas, and this is no secret, back when I played, you could have some pretty bad nights and against some of the lousier teams, and you were going to win no problem whatsoever. Yeah, and and for most of your career, you played on pretty good teams. I, I don't know what the yes. longest winning streak you were ever a part of was, but you would have played on teams that won yeah. several in a row or probably would have won you know, 13 out of 17 or things like that. Yeah. The Oilers have been, I think, pretty honest with their remarks. I mean, certainly they've sort of paid tribute to the teams of the eighties and said, hard to believe no team's ever done it before, but also said we knew about it, but we didn't really dwell on it too much. Like, is that, do you, do you buy that? And when you were on a team riding a hot streak, how, how aware of it were you? I was pretty aware of it. And uh, I could recognize (laughs) in my teammates. Yes. That they were they were feeling especially good about themselves. Also, there's uh, everybody knows when you're playing really really well, and uh, it's just a confidence thing. It's uh, definitely a swagger. Now, getting back to the, those '80s teams, uh, and I'm gonna be I'm definitely gonna misquote John Muckler, but he said something about uh, back then the reason why their win streaks ended at nine is because something like they found a good party after the ninth game or something. They, they weren't ready for the 10th win, but <laughs> certainly I've misquoted it, but you get the point that that team, uh, as great as they were, they certainly enjoyed uh, life as well off the ice. And so that was kind of comical, but because that, that did surprise me when the Oilers, the current ones were going on this win streak and somebody said, well, well at nine games, they've tied the longest. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I would have thought that those uh, 80s teams, would have won 15 or 17 in a row or something because they're so dominant. So would uh, would you guys talk about, 
okay, let's make it eight if you've won seven, or was it just sort of a general, okay, guys, let's keep it going. Let's, you know, let's keep burying teams when we can. It was the combination, but mostly it was about the details of the game because everybody also recognizes when you're in a bit of a win streak, when some of the bad habits come in, in particular in practice. That's where I really noticed it most, Reed. I could tell when we're coming, a win streak was coming to an end because our practices typically two or three in a row started to get uh, worse and worse and Uh, poor habits, uh, maybe not working quite as hard, and inevitably there was a loss around the corner. And so you would try and address that. But it is human nature, I mean, to take your foot off the gas a little bit uh, because winning is hard and uh, and you get a little bit cocky sometimes. But uh, even as, as often as you address it, it isn't until reality sets in when you actually lose a game or two or three in a row, then you finally go, okay, so we were on to something. Our practice habits weren't as sharp, and we better get back to that. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight at Inside Sports. You referenced the Montreal game and getting that goal early in the third period to, to tie it up. The, the Oilers had an interesting week because they had four – sort of review or disallowed goal type situations. Mm-hmm. The, that was the only one that went their way. Yeah. Rob Brown was adamant that that should have been disallowed because he thought yeah. Fogel actually kicked at Montembeau's stick. Yeah. He texted yeah. with somebody else I know who's pretty good yeah. at predicting what the war room is going to do, and he said, good goal, that's a waste of a challenge. And I yeah. thought, yes, Fogel did that move with his leg, but are they yeah. going to interpret that as intent? And did Montebo kind of dress it up with his stick moving off to the side? I mean, you're a you're a former goalie who got ran into several times. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but what, what, did, what did was that? The, 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 that goal stood, of course, if people are, are remembering. Yeah. But uh, what did you think of that play? I thought it should have been uh, disallowed. Uh, so that night uh, during that game, we had. Uh, Jennifer in the studio. We had Ron, we had uh, Paul Bissonette, and, and I believe Elliot was in on the conversation, but maybe he wasn't because uh, he that might have been – no, that was after his uh, 32 thoughts. So he would have probably been in the conversation. So four of us thought that the goal should have been disallowed, and Bissonette was the only one that thought that it was a good goal. And so he obviously was the, the one that was correct. But I just thought Fogel that had gone through the crease and disrupted uh, the goaltender Montembeau, uh, I thought it was quite clear, in fact. And so it, it sort of it kind of reminds us of let's not get uh, too sure of ourselves. And by the way, Reed, my accuracy in predicting uh, goals or, or disallowed goals is probably, it's still dropping. It's probably at around 25% now. So uh, I'm not the best guy to ask. I, I just I just think if it's in the blue paint, if there's any way in which the goaltender is disrupted from making a save that it should be disallowed, but clearly uh, I'm wrong. Uh, I'm often wrong too, but there are, there are, I mean, it's, there was the one, the Detroit goals stood that the Oilers yeah. challenged and the player did hit the glove, but Pickard's yeah. outside the crease. Right. So that I, I, I understood that one, even though we contacted the goalie, uh, Hyman, it seems like it's almost always Hyman. He was called for goalie interference. Right, right. That was in Chicago where it was kind of like, 
was it was he really or was he just kind of holding his ground so there, there's always a lot of debatable ones uh battle of alberta on friday but where are you for that one or on saturday pardon me battle of alberta on, on saturday. saturday where are you going to be for that one well i've got a great week i have two home games uh tuesday and thursday here i have arizona tomorrow and by the way you and I talked about Arizona about a month ago. They're a much improved team, and I was going through my roster today. So I'm looking forward to a really exciting uh, rematch because uh, Calgary beat them up pretty good last Thursday in Tempe. Uh, Thursday, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I know you guys are hosting tomorrow, so that'll be a dandy. And then I get to fly to uh, Victoria, British Columbia on Friday because uh, it's Hockey Day in Canada on Saturday. And, Reed, I'm so looking forward to it because for years and years, I was a big part of Hockey Day in Canada, and I would go to the communities where the games uh, uh, were hosted and the, the event was hosted. And then for years, uh, I would go, and then I would leave, say, on Thursday or Friday and go to my location on Saturday. So I didn't get to be around the actual Hockey Day event, and this is the first time in years and so I'm really looking forward to it. It's a real Canadiana feel, as you know. Um, the the rink is the gathering spot in the community, especially in smaller places uh, around our country. And so those are really fun days, and I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, right on. Well, have a great experience there, Kelly. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. You got it. My pleasure, Reid. Have a great week. Always great to have Kelly Rudy on the show as we reach halftime with the Buccaneers leading the Eagles 16-9 in the final playoff game of Wild Card Weekend. We will catch up with some of your messages. We'll get to another comment or two from Oilers assistant Glenn Gullitson, who handled the media responsibilities today. And uh, tell you what, Kellen, we'll give away a canned ham shirt on the text line. Woo! First person to text in the right answer to 780-496-0063. If you were listening to Kelly Rudy or one of the other times he's talked about this, uh, what Edmonton neighborhood did Kelly grow up in? What Edmonton neighborhood did Kelly grow up in? 780-496-0063. Somebody will win an Inside Sports Canned Ham t-shirt. Back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. The Inside Sports Canned Ham T-shirt provided by Elite Promotional Marketing, Elmwood. Kelly Rudy's home neighborhood as a lad growing up in Edmonton. He's told many stories from Elmwood, but uh, we got that question in there tonight. Good job, Troy. Your listening skills are excellent. And you can tell everybody in your life I said that, especially if you're ever accused of not listening. You can say, no, 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 guys. Read on Inside Sports said I'm a good listener. Okay. 780-496-0063. Kellen, hit me with a couple. Absolutely. There you go. Congrats, Troy. Uh, we got Robbie texting in. Says he grew up in Elmwood during the 80s, and we had the fence and lights, uh, and, lights and yes, we climbed it. Uh, <laughs> LOL, hockey in the dark, no floodlights, fond memories. So there we go. <laughs> they used a neon puck, I believe. <laughs> I don't think it was Fox Tracks. I think that was... Yeah, they actually had yeah. to paint it orange or something. I don't know. <laughs> Indeed. Oiler stuff coming in here. So we got the Cricket Masters texted in and says, Hi, Reed. We're all the negative delis who thought the Oilers season was over in mid-November. I hope Oiler fans uh, remember this in future seasons. 82 games, people. That's from the Cricket Master. All right. Fair enough. I don't know where the negative delis are. I'm sure they're still out there. 
They just don't phone radio shows as much right now. Mm-hmm. Maurice uh, texts again. Other side of the coin here says the Oilers have won 18 of their last 21 and are still barely in a playoff spot. The law of averages would suggest that they will have a mediocre stretch very soon. We could soon be talking about being five or six out of the playoffs once again. The team is doing well, but I still worry that awful start will doom them in the end. That's from Maurice. Well, you know what uh, has really... Now, the Oilers have games in hand on Seattle. They have four games in hand on Seattle, so remember that. So the Oilers have gone 18-3 and three in their last 21 games. If they'd gone, uh, let's say, 15-6... and six, then, yeah, they'd be uh, six points out of a playoff spot with still an excellent record. So they've they've needed every point along the way for sure. Uh, I mean, they will lose. They, they they may even lose two or three in a row at some point. They, they, they are still in a battle for sure. The thing that's positive, though, is they've closed the gap on the third-place Kings. So the Kings, uh, the Kings and Oilers have played, uh, or pardon me, now the Kings have played one more game than the Oilers at 40. They have 50 points. Uh, Nashville has 49 points in 44 games. They're the first wild card. The Oilers have 47 in 39. The Kraken have 47 in 43. But yeah, it, it's tight. And you are when you start the season that poorly, that that does. Uh, I mean, you would think if the Oilers, if I would have told you the Oilers were going to go 18 and three from. November 24th to January, what's the date today, 15th. If I would have told you that in August, you probably would have said, well, the Oilers will be first overall. you know. But they had so much ground to make up. Um, yeah, I mean, they can't. I think they can survive a mediocre stretch if they have a 10-game stretch, if they go 5-3-2 and two or something. I think that's survivable. They can't survive another 2-9-1 stretch, though. So Troy's texted back and says, awesome, thanks, guys. I got that on video so I can use you guys as a reference. So uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, uh, this well. <laughs> You're all tittering about that I'm one, Kelly. Something, that something is very amusing to you about that <laughs> message. I don't know what you're imagining. It's, it's either <laughs> Troy's significant other that's going to be angry at us and calling us angrily. Ah, yeah, or fine. it's going to be Troy himself upset being, okay, what do I do? So... I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's. Uh, I, I want to get to more messages, but I want to get to this clip. Glenn Gulletson today, Oilers uh, assistant coach, commenting on Connor McDavid's maturation as a leader. He's come full circle. Like, um, you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't want to sit here and talk about Connor too much, but at the end of the day, I've been around him for six years. He's developed into uh, probably the finest leader that I've seen. He has the ability to, uh, obviously what he does on the ice, how he practices, all that's intact. And there's lots of leaders that had that, but now he has the ability to, to uh, challenge guys too. And uh, that's not always... Um, uh, that's not always the case in some of the leaders that I've been around in, in the days. He has that ability too, so he's got that, hey, you can follow me ability, but he's also brought on that ability, hey, uh, we need you to be better here in, in these areas too, and uh, that's what leaders do. They push people, they push the bar up. That's what he's doing. Yeah, interesting stuff there from Gullitson on McDavid, the Oilers' captain. Uh, Kellen, hit me with a couple more messages uh, before we go tonight. Mm-hmm. Brian texted saying, no way Oilers uh, this most recent stretch, sorry, it jumped on me here, but this this most re- recent stretch by the Oilers has them on a lock to the playoffs, in my opinion. 
Okay. So there we go. That's from Brian. What else we got here? We've got one from... Yes, Sean from Red Deer texted us earlier in the show. Says he has free questions or comments for you to talk about. First thing, imagine if the Oilers would have drafted Matthew Kachuk. They missed it. Secondly, do you think if Jonathan Taze were stuck around for one more year, he could have made a difference on the oil? And third, will the Oilers get Travis Konechny? Uh, Kachuk would have looked good here. He probably wouldn't have a Vander Kane if that were the case, but that probably would have been okay. Connect uh, me, uh, I think he probably makes too much. What was the middle one? Jonathan Taze, if he would have stuck around one more year with the oil, like Duncan Keith did. Oh, like if he would have come to play for the Oilers in his last year. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, he'd still be good. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, he kind of didn't. What, did he miss a year and then he came back last year? What was the timing? Something like that, I think. Which year did he miss? 2021 he missed. Uh, that's kind of a big what if. I don't know. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six eight. But we got to go. I'll talk to your face off show tomorrow at 530.